Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, hey, hey guys, we're back on the couch. It's another Sunday night, 8 p.m. The Brain Love Podcast with me, your host, hostess with the mostess, Dr. Delvina Thomas. The, um, it's been a really difficult 2020. I mean, that's an, that's an understatement, but people were shocked Friday night about the news of Mr. Chadwick Bozeman passing. So this episode of the Brain Love podcast is dedicated to Chadwick Bozeman, a.k.a the Black Panther, and so many other parts that he played and roles that he played um, since getting into the industry back in 2003. You know, there was um, a tweet that came out yesterday, August 29th in the afternoon, and it is now the most popular tweet on Twitter ever. And it's um, it was titled, A Tribute Fit for a King, Hashtag Wakanda Forever. And it confirmed the passing of Chadwick Boseman. It's a black and white image of him with the statement confirming he lost a four-year battle with colon cancer on Friday. He was only 43 years young. The message went viral, and now it stands alone at the top of Twitter's metrics board with more than... 5.7 million likes. 5.7 million likes. And so tonight's episode is to discuss Chadwick Bozeman and why so many people are devastated about losing Chadwick. What did he mean or what does he mean to the black community? What did the Black Panther do for the black community starring Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther. And um, later in the podcast, I'll talk to Dr. Jeffrey Moore. You guys may have seen him on my YouTube Therapy Thursday talking about prostate cancer. Well, I'm bringing him back. And tonight he'll be giving you the signs and symptoms and a little extra um, about colon cancer. You know, uh, Mr. Boseman was diagnosed in 2016 with stage 3 colon cancer, stage three man. And so stage three colon cancer has about a 40% chance of cure. And when it progresses to stage four tumor, it only has a 10% chance of a cure. And so Dr. Moore will be here. He is a black hematologist, oncologist, meaning blood and cancer doctor. And he'll talk to us about colon cancer. Stay on the couch, guys. So before I go into what the Black Panther, the film, and the star Chadwick Boseman represents for the black community, let's talk a little bit about Mr. Boseman. Um, a lot of people did not know who Chadwick Boseman was previous to the Black Panther. Um, Chadwick was actually born in Anderson, South Carolina, not in Africa, like some people believed or um, thought was was the case. He was born in South Carolina. He was born in the South, and he attended Howard University, which is a very prestigious HBCU in, in Washington, D.C., and graduated in 2000 with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in directing. And um, I didn't know this, but I learned that one of his teachers was Felicia Rashad, who also became his mentor and you all know who Felicia Rashad is, man. She was Mrs. Huxtable on, on uh, the Cosby show. And so, and we know the, t the spirit that Felicia Rashad, the spirit and the energy that she exudes. So for her to mentor this young man, that really says a lot about who Chadwick Boseman was at that time. 
So Chadwick graduated college in 2000 from Howard University and lived in Brooklyn at the start of his career. He worked as a drama instructor, and um, he moved to Los Angeles in 2008 to pursue his acting career. But before moving to Los Angeles, he got his first television role in 2003 in Third Watch. So no, Black Panther was not his first film, his first acting job. He had to prove himself. And so he started in 2003 with a television role in Third Watch. And then that same year, he became uh, Reggie Montgomery or portrayed Reggie Montgomery in the daytime soap opera, All My Children. But he was fired after voicing concerns to producers about racist stereotypes in his script. Now, ain't that something? This young man, (laughs) in 2003, he's like 21. So most people who are hungry to be in the industry, to be in entertainment, they'll take whatever role gets handed to to them. But Chadwick Boseman said no to all my children, and they fired him because he voiced concerns about the racist stereotypes in his script. Now, interestingly enough, back then, which was 15 years prior to to Black Panther, that role that he was fired from was recast to Bozeman's future Black Panther co-star Michael B. Jordan. So I just found that to be the most interesting thing, man. So let's take a a little journey um, down his uh, career path. Because as I was saying, people a lot of times feel like, okay, I'm good at what I do. I should acquire fame right away or I should get put on right away. You have to put in your time. You have to be consistent and tenacious. You know, you got to be a hard worker and just grind and not think about what you deserve or what you should get. So let's not forget that. So... He was in Third Watch in 2003. He was in All My Children, got fired because of racist stereotypes in his script. And um, he did a few episodes, about nine episodes, I think, on Law & Order, CSI New York, and he was on ER. Um, He wrote a play. His first play that he wrote actually was in high school. I kind of skipped over that. But in high school, he wrote a play after a classmate was shot and killed. Now, whether that classmate was black or white, I I don't know. But his first play was in his junior year of high school called Crossroads. So, you know, this young man was really, um, really about just sharing his own thoughts and and desires and emotions with with the world. Um, So as a junior in high school, he wrote Crossroads, which is about a a classmate who was shot and killed. And and so back to his professional career, he played in some episodes in different different shows. You know, I said Law and Order, CSI, ER. He wrote plays. He wrote a play called Deep Azure, which was performed at Congo Square Theater in Chicago and nominated for an award in 2006. Then he got a recurring role on the show Lincoln Heights in 2008. So listen, this is five years after he began his career formally. And then he got his first feature film in The Express, the Ernie Davis story. Um, And then he landed a role in 2010 in Persons Unknown. So if you haven't noticed, Chadwick Boseman was very selective about the roles that he played It seems that he preferred positive imagery of black, of a black man. So he played Ernie Davis in the Express. Ernie Davis was, um, was a football player. And um, so he was a Syracuse University football player and the first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy. The Express explores civil rights topics such as racism, discrimination, and athletics. So if you're not getting the trend here that Chadwick Boseman, the the pattern that he created for himself from the time that he was a junior in high school, man, this is evidence that this guy was 
pro-black. He was about the movement of positive images of black folk. So after the Ernie Davis story, he landed a regular role in 2010 in Persons Unknown. And then in 2013, he got his first starring role in 42, portraying the bat, the baseball pioneer and star Jackie Robinson, who you guys know was the first African-American to play in the MLB and Major League Baseball. So Chadwick Boseman, man, didn't fool around with accepting broke-ass roles and, you know, um, roles characterizing um, black men as savages and, and beasts out here in these streets. And he accepted roles that portrayed or showed us as who we are, strong, resilient people. So, of course, we know Robinson broke the baseball color line when he started at first base for the Brooklyn Dodgers on April 15th, 1947. So that was his first starring role was as Jackie Robinson in 2013. Following that, he uh, starred in an indie film called The Kill Hole. Um, and then in 2014, he appeared op opposite Kevin Costner in Draft Day in which he played an NFL draft prospect. And then he played James Brown, one of the most iconic soul singers in our history in a movie, Get On Up. And then in 2016, he was in an Egyptian movie called The Gods of Egypt. In 2016, rolled around, he portrayed Black Panther in Captain America Civil War. That was the first film in a five-picture deal with Marvel before he headlined Black Panther in 2018. Now, after Black Panther, he did some other um, great stuff. He was in uh, a few other movies and films, but I want to stick right here. I want to stop and talk about Black Panther. There's no coincidences in life. The universe and energy... Oh, God, it's no mistake. It's not a coincidence that Chadwick Boseman was selected to portray the Black Panther. So let me talk first about what do Black Panthers usually symbolize? These animals stand for power and protection. These animals are a symbol of valor, of courage and determination. All of those things clearly describe Chadwick Boseman, when you look at the tweets from celebrities and friends and family who talk about him, and I know people will say whenever someone passes away, everyone is saying positive things about them, but you can kind of tell when it's genuine, when it really is a true description of that person. So Chadwick Boseman really is the Black Panther. That might sound crazy to some of you, but... Black Panthers are very powerful. And we know from the information that was shared yesterday that Chadwick Boseman fought colon cancer for four years. Jesus. And in between chemotherapy and surgeries, this man was still working and going on film and just just still appearing for things and being a part of just staying in his business so he definitely exuded strength and power like this beautiful animal. In real life, this man is physically and mentally strong. To be diagnosed with stage 3 cancer at the age of 39, 38, 39. Stage 3, guys. Stage 3, this is, that's serious. When someone tells you you have stage 3 cancer, you're, you'll hear from... Dr. Jeffrey Moore, my friend, black oncologist, and he'll talk up to you about the seriousness of stage three diagnosis of colon cancer. People fight for their lives when they're diagnosed with colon cancer. Whew. So he truly is the epitome of a black panther, strong mentally and physically. There's nothing typically that can stop them in life, these black panthers. I'll just say a few more things about what the Black Panther represents. 
So under this totem, people born under this totem are inspirational. They have the ability to inspire. They inspire others and make others think in ways they never did before. Shoot, this sounds like this might be my totem. This is this is what I might have been born under, this Black Panther totem. And this ability comes from their true self. They are authentic. They spread the aura of strength and power. It makes others feel invincible when they're next to these people. And that's what everyone's been tweeting about Chad, Chadwick Boseman. He was a natural protector and a leader. My gosh, he was a leader in our community. I just described to you the roles that he selected to play. So we know what roles he played in, but we don't know what he turned down except for that all my children because of them asking him to portray or to act in roles that were stereotypical of black folk. So he is definitely the Black Panther man. So let's go on to some history as we describe when people think of Black Panther, they think of the Black Panther Party. So Black Panther, the movie, it um, debuted in February 2018. Three days after its debut, Chadwick Boseman was on the front of the Time magazine, and it was titled A Hero Rises, the Superpower of Black Panther. See, Black Panther was released during President Trump's Make America Great Again. And so, you know, since Trump took office, there's just just, just been so much um, social injustices. The racism has been exposed overtly. Like, we knew that racism and discrimination was the fabric of America, like apple pie. But when Trump took office, there was just an overt admission to the disdain and the dislike of black people, of black Americans, of people of color, as well as immigrants. So when Black Panther was released, not only was this a good-ass movie, good movie, but it told a story, and it told a story in a way that emphasized to black folks, even if some folks did not know their history, and I'm talking about children, it made people go and dig deeper to learn, who am I? Who are my ancestors? What, what is my legacy? So during the Civil Rights era, the Black Panther Party was created. Black Panther Party represents anti-fascism, anti-imperialism, anti-racism, anti-capitalism, Black nationalism, black pride, it represents all of those things. And so during the civil rights era, the Black Panther Party was created. And um, the politics of that time were somewhat similar to what we're seeing now with the protests and the rallies and, um, you know, the uh, advocating for, for black power, pretty much. So there was a vision of black grandeur. And um, we knew then that more than 41% of African Americans were at or below the poverty line and comprised nearly a third of the nation's poor. And that's really not much different than what we see today. We've been oppressed for so very long. So the African-American family's median net worth in 2016 was less than $20,000. That is a problem. So the movement of black power goes back to the summer of 1966. The activist Stokely Carmichael, he wanted more than just integration into a white-dominated America. After about one year after the assassination of Malcolm X, 
Carmichael took over the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee from John Lewis, which rest in peace to John Lewis. And Carmichael decided to move the organization from a philosophy of pacifism and to escalate the group's militancy to emphasize armed self-defense, black business ownership, and community control. That's important to know. So the Black Panther Party represented these things, self-defense, black business ownership, and community control. And it's not until recent that black business ownership has really been pushed and supported and encouraged, and um, black communities now are trying to keep the black dollar in our communities longer than we have before. So black-owned businesses have really been, I won't say the latest trend, but um, it appears that there's been um, support, continuous support of black-owned businesses. Now, unfortunately, because of COVID-19, I saw data somewhere that stated 43% of black-owned businesses had to close. So my hope is that once things improve, that these folks will be able to pivot and reopen their businesses. So, yes, Carmichael was the uh, activist who took a stand against white oppression and helped to popularize the term black power. Now, why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because the Black Panther actually debuted months, just actually a month after Carmichael's Black Power Declaration, Marvel Comics Fantastic Four used the Black, the Black Panther. It wasn't an alter ego. It was a formal title for the King of Wakanda, a fictional African nation. So this has been a storyline that presented during the civil rights era. So initially, Marvel Comics briefly changed the character's name to Black Leopard because of the association with the Black Panthers, but... They reverted and went back to the Black Panther. So the Black Panther Party was a revolutionary organization. And um, unfortunately, it was depicted in the media as threatening and a radical group. And of course, we know what happens in the media, how they try to um, create negativity for so many of us, we did not know Dr. Chadwick Boseman or his characteristics or what he actually stood for. Watching the moment shared by others, we see that he was definitely pro-black and wanted to improve the welfare and the happiness of our people, of our communities. We see this through the decisions he made, the roles he took on. He brought the fantasy, fantasy of an African nation, Wakanda, into our homes, into the theaters, and helped most of us to question our purpose, our legacy, our history. So why did Black Panther mean so much to the community? It meant so much because of the positivity that was exuded in this movie. This positivity is what helps strengthen our, our, our identity and reduces the notion that we will internalize all of the negative stereotypes we see on television about our group. This is the first mega-budget movie with an entire black cast, pretty much. We know if you follow Marvel Comics, you know that most of the superheroes were, they were always political. Black Panther was no different. Black Panther was different, though, because it showed a superhero who looks like our sons, our brothers. Our children were able to see this fantastical simulation and feel good about themselves. Black Panther created a world where black people built a thriving country utilizing technology led by the Black Panther sister and worked together for technological advancements. It grossed 
over $1 billion, nearly $1.5 billion with their nearly, I have to say this again, all black cast in front and behind the cameras. The other important thing about Black Panther is that black folks were able to identify with King T'Challa and Killmonger's controversy because it represented it. um, We were familiar with these debates in our own black community, the differences in how we see Africa. And the film's politics were a representation of the state of the black community in America. So... Black Panther allowed us a way to, yeah, engage the issues that are in our communities, but to escape to something so much more positive than what we typically would see on on the on the big screen. Black Panther is so important to the black community because it gave us, it gave African Americans the opportunity to really re-examine our place in the world. What are we doing here? What is our position? How do we move forward? Wakanda was a vision of what's possible. Again, the positive imagery that was displayed in this movie for our children to see and to fantasize and then dream and then create a plan so that they can achieve these dreams and these fantasies. Black Wakanda, Black Panther, it was a groundbreaking celebration of black culture. I feel that Black Panther reinvigorated the interest in African fashion, and we still see that today. It's it, as in Black Panther, gives us a roadmap of our future one that probably most black Americans have never, ever imagined. And this gave us an opportunity to really talk to our children about their sense of self, which, by the way, is a protective factor against racism and discrimination. So it's important for our sense of self, for our children's sense of self, to understand and identify with who they are the positive pieces of who they are and and what their community represents because it protects us against all of this racism and discrimination that we have here in our communities, everywhere we go in America. Black Panther gave us those teaching moments to talk to our children. This may have been the first time that some black parents actually introduced the topic of Mother Africa to their children. Black Panther depicted a black female in a technology lab, creating devices, creating technology for people in Wakanda to use. This actually is in parallel with the last several years that um, we have tried to increase the representation of African Americans in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, AKA, a.k.a. STEM. Shout out to one of my alma maters, Morgan State University, which has a very thorough engineering program, but shout out to Morgan State University. I did attend at least one HBCU. I'm sure seeing Shuri and Black Panther was an inspiration to young black girls and boys to help them consider science as a career and more importantly, as Dr. Bozeman would say, as their purpose in life because we should work towards a purpose in life. We have to dig deep sometimes to find that. It may not come until later decades of your life, but just deciding what you want to do for a job or as a career, that's not, that's not enough not to live in this world that we live in. Black Panther used reference points from places like Kenya, South Africa, to create that vision of a technology-savvy country, Wakanda, with the diversity of black culture and identity. Here's something I read on the Vox website. Africa has traditionally been an unsophisticated bit player in American media, often portrayed as backward, savage, and chaotic in everything from news coverage to films. And you you guys know this is so true. What we see in in the media about Africa does not enhance 
or created this, a desire to to be to see Africa, to visit Africa. I was able to go to Africa for the first time at the end of 2019 and a piece of 2020. My son went with me in South Africa. The beauty was just mind blowing. It was just so mind blowing to see all that beauty in this one country to stand on the coast and look out at the Indian Ocean and, you know, at Africa's bodies of water and just just to fantasize about what was there centuries before and how we came to be here. This Fox, this Vox, excuse me, article goes on to say that Black Panther is a portrayal that has left little room for other interpretations, which is why Black Panther's vision of Wakanda as a bustling metropolis of Vibranium-powered futuristic skyscrapers, racing trains, and soaring spaceships feel so refreshing. And that is absolutely correct. No one has ever portrayed us in this light, ever. I'll tell you the other thing that I loved about Black Panther. Black Panther was not just a superhero film, but it was a movie about a guy, that being Black Panther, who works with his family. They work together to create a legacy, to have a business, a, a successful business, and they're responsible for the entire country. That's the thing that I loved about Black Panther is the positive imagery about a black person managing business, handling business, and taking care of the people that they lead, taking care of the entire country. So the Black Panther, played by Chadwick Boseman, is so essential to our black culture because of the time that this movie was released, the issues in the country during the time that it was released, and the ongoing issues that we continue to, to experience in, in America. I believe this movie um, enhanced the pro-black, pro-Africa movement. Um, you know, you see more people wearing African attire, and um, it made people question more Africa, um, trips to Africa, going back to Ghana, the movement to, to, to see Africa and to actually to be there and consider living in Africa. Now, let's switch gears and talk about colon cancer because um, this is, I do believe, the second most common cancer. I'll get that verification from, from Dr. Moore. So next up on the Brain Love Podcast, my conversation with Dr. Moore about colon cancer. Stay on the couch, guys. So guys, let's switch gears. As I told you, I wanted to have a brief discussion about colon cancer. So I asked my friend, Dr. Jeffrey Moore, a hematologist oncologist in Virginia to come on the show and just answer a few questions about colon cancer. Dr. Moore completed, um, he attended medical school at Temple University and completed his uh, residency in internal medicine at the University of Maryland, which is where I attended residency. But Dr. Moore went on to do an additional three years in a fellowship studying hematology and oncology. Dr. Moore, where did you complete your fellowship? Was it Columbia? That's correct, Dr. Delvina. So I completed my Columbia, uh, fellowship at Columbia uh, New York Presbyterian Hospital. So that was, as you mentioned, was three years of additional specialty training in blood and cancer medicine. Okay, so, all righty. He's been practicing medicine for almost two decades, Guy. This is the perfect person for us to talk to about Dr. Chadwick Bozeman. Uh, Dr. Moore, you heard about what happened to uh, Dr. Bozeman, yes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the, the news was devastating for everybody. So, you know, I... I heard about it like most people did, uh, you know, either on social media or some type of media on Friday night and, you know, was just shocked. So obviously just a tremendous loss. We, you can't even put it into words uh, in terms of what he did for our community. So, uh, but, you know, hopefully as we'll talk about in this discussion that, you know, 
it, his, his death won't be in vain and that will raise awareness about uh, colon cancer, um, not only in the black community, but in, in all communities because, you know, it affects all communities. Yes, yes. I mentioned earlier in this podcast that I thought that colorectal cancer was the number two most common cancer, but guys, I stand corrected. It's not. Um, what is it? Is it third, Dr. Dr. Moore? It's the third most common cancer after lung and breast? Yes, exactly. Uh, well, it, it would be lung and breast in women, prostate in men, um, and then colorectal cancer in both men and women. Uh, but it, it is... It's probably the second most lethal of cancers in terms of numbers. So um, there's about 50,000 deaths per year in the United States, and that's only topped by um, lung cancer uh, deaths. So uh, certainly a a significant uh, cancer killer in the United States. Wow. So you said it's the second most lethal behind lung cancer. So I, I... without getting too much into the weeds, this is not a statistics course, obviously. Right. It's the second highest number of deaths, cancer deaths in the United States is from colorectal cancer. Got it. And that's only trailing lung cancer, which is the most, le- the most accounts for the most number of deaths. So, so why is col- uh, colorectal cancer so, so lethal? Why is it killing so many people? Is it because folks are not diagnosed until later in the course of the, the cancer or? You know, the, 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 the tragic part um, about colon cancer death is that, you know, we, a, the, a significant number of these deaths could be prevented. Um, you know, colon cancer, for the most part, is very preventable if patients get screening. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the details of that in a few minutes. But, um, you know, in general, about 60% of cases present um, when they are in an advanced stage, so stage three or stage four, which are much more difficult to treat and cure. Only 40% of cases present at stage one or stage two, but we know that screening for colon cancer with colonoscopy and other things, it lowers mortality, but it also detects precancerous lesions or polyps which, again, when those are treated, they prevent you from developing colon cancer. So the bottom line is people just aren't getting screening enough. So there's a lot of screening modalities out there, but, uh, you know, estimates by, um, you know, scientists and physicians and expert groups uh, estimate that only about 50% of all people who should be getting screening for colon cancer actually do get screened. Wow. So, so uh, Chadwick Bozeman was about 38 or 39 years old when he was diagnosed initially with stage three cancer. Um, so what 30, 30 year old or 20 year old is getting screened for colon cancer? You know, is this just a, a special, unique situation for this young man? Yes, yeah, most likely. I mean, you know, obviously we don't have the full details of his case or um, of his family history either. So those right, would be important right. things. That's true. But, um, you know, actually I wasn't aware at what stage he was diagnosed at. Uh, I knew that it was in a relatively advanced stage, so I assumed it had to be either stage three or stage four. Uh, as you mentioned, he was diagnosed four years ago, so we have to assume he was 38 or 39. Right. And that, that's well below the um, recommended age for standard risk patients in terms of screening. So, um, you know, the, the most recent recommendations by the majority of expert groups are that African-Americans should start colorectal cancer screening at age 45. And again, this is average risk African-Americans, whereas everyone else should start screening at age 50. And, but within the past few years, they lowered that 50 down to 45 for African-Americans. Uh, but there are some other um, risk factors that we have to look at when we consider screening, like family history. So if you have a family member, a first-degree family member, that would be a sibling or a parent uh, or even a grandparent. I guess, you know, there's some young grandparents out here now. Mm -hmm. Um, You should be screened at 10 years younger than when they were diagnosed. So if your sister or your mother or your grandmother was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 46, then you should start your screening at age 36. Okay, so repeat that again, Dr. Moore. You said if a family member was diagnosed with colon cancer, 
then their offspring should be screened 10 years prior to the family member's diagnosis or age of at, when the person was diagnosed. Okay. Yeah, that, and that, that's a real um, strong point that we need to emphasize. So obviously, you know, we have 100 to 150,000 people being diagnosed with colorectal cancer in the United States every year. Um, so in, in the incidence of people who are diagnosed at a young age, you know, basically under 40 is significantly increasing. So, you know, I've had patients as young as in their mid-20s, early 20s. So, mm-hmm. you know, those patients, if they have a significant uh, first-degree family member, that would be your parents, your grandparents, or a sibling who's diagnosed with colon cancer at a certain age, let's say age 45, then you subtract 10 years from that, and you would need to start your screening at age 35. If your father was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 35, then you need to start your screening at age 25. Wow. And a lot of people overlook that. So, uh, and, you know, I don't know if that was the case, you know, but obviously we don't have Chadwick Bozeman's medical history or his family history, but if he had a, if his father was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 49, then he should have started his screening at age 39. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So let's talk about, are there risk factors for colon cancer? There are. So certainly as I alluded to, um, we know that family history Um, basically family members with colon cancer is a strong risk factor. Um, There are several genetic abnormalities that patients can have. Um, You know, there's Lynch syndrome, um, there's Pusiegers, there's a few others, obviously medical terms out there. So if you have that um, gene in your family, that would be a significant risk factor. Um, Other things would include uh, diet, lifestyle, smoking, uh, excessive alcohol use. Uh, there's been a whole litany of studies looking at lifestyle, diet, activity, uh, obesity, etc. And, and you know, really, without getting too technical, it's sort of the same thing that we should be doing for all health uh, in terms of cardiovascular health, in terms of GI health, right. uh, in terms of, uh, diabetes. You know, eating right, eating a diet uh, high in fresh uh, vegetable-centered, you know, diet. Also minimizing. Uh, processed foods, uh, minimizing foods that are high in levels of salt and processed sugars, um, minimizing alcohol use if you do drink, not not drinking to excess, and obviously certainly not smoking. So, you know, basic health that we all talk about. And then in addition to, you know, getting exercise, walking, uh, getting a proper amount of sleep. So those are the same things that, you know, apply across the board. There's really no reason to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Got it. Got it. So let's talk about the symptoms of colon cancer. In the beginning, I mentioned how um, Dr. Bozeman was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer four years ago. So he was in his late 30s, hadn't even turned 40 yet. Do you, and you said yes, that people ignored the signs and the symptoms of colon cancer because I, I suppose early on, maybe it starts as something, you know, that's not that significant. What do you think people experience when it's like a stage one colon cancer? So th- there can be signs um, and symptoms of it, but I, I think we want to emphasize that many colon cancers are asymptomatic. You wouldn't have symptoms, especially for your early, uh, very treatable stage one and stage two cancers. You may not have a lot of significant symptoms, which again, brings us back to the fact of why screening is so important. So we do know that polyps, which are precancerous lesions that can be detected on a colonoscopy, you won't have any symptoms at all if you just have polyps. Um, But, you know, for stage one and stage two, some symptoms that we might see would be, you know, very nonspecific things like um, fatigue, like um, subtle, uh, you know, gastrointestinal symptoms, maybe some constipation or loose stools. Um, sometimes you can see blood in your stools, which I tell patients that whenever you see blood in your stool, you need to call your doctor, period. Um, you know, that's never a good thing. Uh, that is not normal in any way, shape, or form. Uh, other symptoms that you can see would be um, change in your stool appearance, meaning the caliber of your stool is smaller, 
Uh, one of the classic things we learn about in med school is a uh, pen, quote unquote pencil thin stools mm-hmm. because the tumor is creating a, a smaller area for um, stool in the colon, then your stools just look smaller. Right. Uh, right. Another thing could be black stools. Again, just to keep it simple, if your stools look different in appearance, that's something you want to bring to the attention of your doctor and think about going to see a gastroenterologist uh, for a workup. But, you know, again, I want to emphasize that a lot of times in precancerous lesions or early cancers, we're not going to have any symptoms. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I, I understand why this is such a lethal cancer because it sounds like if someone's having these really nonspecific symptoms, most people probably don't go um, and get checked out or... We know that there are some biases in healthcare, so maybe black folks are going and they're saying, hey, I'm noticing this about my stomach or when I have a bowel movement. or um, So maybe they're sharing that with someone, but because of some of the biases that occur in healthcare, they're not being uh, scheduled for any type of intervention or a, a further examination to determine if there's something more significant going on besides just upset stomach. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Uh, and, you know, I think there's two ways we can get around that. Uh, first of all, we need more physicians that look like me and you, uh, physicians of African descent, physicians in color. We need more diversity um, in uh, race, socioeconomic background, gender, uh, because, you know, when you're at patients, we're more comfortable. We might be more comfortable seeking care or taking advice from someone who looks like us or someone who has a similar background. It doesn't mean that that's a requirement to providing good medical care, uh, but we know that that sometimes can be a barrier to um, seeking care on the patient side. But there's also a great body of literature that shows that there can be biases um, in terms of physician bias and provider bias towards patient that is based on race, gender, and socioeconomic background. Absolutely. Um, you know, the other thing that we have to do, uh, especially in our community and in the underserved, our, our community, unfortunately, is underserved for various different reasons, is we, we, we need to raise awareness. It's up, you know, we're doing this blog uh, tonight. Um, you know, there's other community awareness outreach that is out there, but it certainly needs to be more. We can't emphasize that enough that we have to overcome those barriers of people seeking care, but then we also have to uh, uh, overcome those barriers of, of proper care being delivered uh, based on whatever biases and isms that are out there. Thank you for that. That that's the perfect explanation. You just pretty much wrapped up the interview, Dr. Moore. Well, well, I know that you're at, you're at the tip of the spear with this Dr. Delvina. So, you know, certainly we applaud your efforts and if everybody was out here on, you know, various media outlets, as much as you, all these problems would be solved. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, there we see in, in facts and figures that African Americans die more from cancer, and that was my next question for you. But you just pretty much, um, you just addressed that. You just addressed that. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's a it's a it's a complex problem. I don't want to make it simple. Obviously, there's a lot of moving parts, and I think that we're making some progress. Obviously, there's some factors out there that are um, against that progress and, you know, no reason to go into details on that, but right. we, we certainly have a long way to go. And I think, you know, really we need to do more patient education, more uh, public health education, but there also needs to be more education on the side of providers as well and physicians. We need to address the biases that we all have as physicians because physicians are people, uh, but also, in terms of just some of the basic screening recommendations, I, I see it all the time where I have patients come to me who are 60 years old and they've never had a colonoscopy. And I ask them, you know, has your physician, has your primary care doctor talked to you about getting screening done? And a lot of times they, they you know, the answer is no, where they look at me like I'm speaking, you know, Martian. Right. So, <laughs> you know, we, we as specialists, uh, in, you know, cancer specialists, gastroenterologists, and, you know, all physicians, mm-hmm need to be involved uh, with patients in terms of basic screening. Yeah, their preventative on. care measures, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely, because so much of this stuff is preventable. And, and, you know, by preventing it, not only are we going to save lives, we're also going to save, um, you know, it, we're, we're going to spend less money. It's, it's much cheaper to prevent the disease, especially advanced diseases like cancer, than it is to 
treat disease. So there's no reason um, that we shouldn't be doing this as, as a society and as a community. Got it. Well, Dr. Moore, as usual, you did not disappoint. You brought the 411. You gave us all the knowledge, most of what we needed to know at this point anyway, regarding uh, colorectal cancer and um, helping us to understand how, how this could happen to, to anyone, to someone. Um, so I thank you for your time and sharing the, that knowledge with us. Thank you so much for coming on again. You were just on recently during Men's Health Month talking about prostate cancer. So I appreciate your service to our community and what you do. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Delvin. I'm, you know, I'm more than happy to provide my services anytime, especially for a great friend and a, a great physician and health advocate that you are in the community. So thank you for having me. Uh, thanks, Dr. Moore. So thank you for your ear. Thank you for listening to me chat about Dr. Chadwick Bozeman. May he rest in peace. I want to leave you with um, one quote. One quote from the Black Panther. Quote, in times of crisis, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. Close quote. I think you all know what that means. So we should be a good example of reciprocity and kindness. There is something to be said for working together and for equality. So let's work together to make changes in our country while we can. Life is too short. So again, thank you for listening to another episode of The Brain Love podcast with Dr. Delvina. Um, I'm so happy that you joined me on the couch on this Sunday night. I hope the information was useful and the analysis of Black Panther and what it means to all of us and um, the role of Chadwick Boseman in our lives and the extra information about colon cancer. All right, guys, so let's live and let's Always include brain love. Brain love. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe, reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs, know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations, limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership, own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. Mm-hmm.